The demand for energy is accelerating like never before. New sources are emerging and established ones are evolving. Collectively, all sources will provide the fuel needed to support future global demand. Here on the Energy Scale-Ups podcast, we explore and learn about the people and companies solving today's problems to produce tomorrow's energy needs. Here is your host, Jose Solis. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Halliburton Labs. Halliburton Labs works with early stage companies to help accelerate their growth by providing access to operational expertise, mentorship, as well as financing opportunities as companies prepare to scale. Enter to win their weekly giveaway at halliburtonlabs.com forward slash giveaway. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the Energy Scale-Ups podcast. I'm your host, Jose Solis. In this episode of the podcast, we're going to explore how energy companies are utilizing artificial intelligence to improve safety and reduce their electric generation footprint, opportunities for battery energy storage systems manufacturers in the Maldives, M&A activity in the energy storage space, a recent post on LinkedIn predicting an energy crisis that caught my eye, the Department of Energy's American-made solar prize competition with $5 million up for grabs, how the acronym JEDI is being used to support diversity and inclusion, and finally, three lessons learned while scaling a business from Starbucks founder Howard Schultz. All right, so let's jump right in. A recent article published in Forbes Online titled How Green Energy Will Transform the Ranks of the World's Biggest Electric Generators mentions that progressively-minded utility companies are now taking advantage of advances in machine learning and artificial intelligence to reduce their electric generation footprint. The article says that the riskiest part of any utilities company's business is when people start digging on their properties without first calling their utility company, which causes about 5,000 damage cases per year. The company that the article mentions that's helping utility companies solve this problem is Urban, and they use real-world data and artificial intelligence to predict threats to workers and critical infrastructure to stop accidents before they happen. The way the company does this is by overlaying digital models with historic damage reports to try and predict where accidents will happen again based on historic data, taking a proactive approach to reduce damages and increase safety. In the article, one of Urban's customers mentions that they have already seen continuous improvement in reducing incidents, preventing leaks and accidents, which will all help reduce the company's carbon footprint. With the global average electric generation footprint, of about 0.52 tons per megawatt hour, there's a lot of room for improvement on both sides. As some generators in China are at 0.93 and 0.90, and others in Europe at 0.08. I navigated over to Urban's website and found that they serve a multitude of industries such as oil and gas and utilities, and for those who work in those industries, we all understand how critical safety is. The company completed a Series B funding back in June of 2020, and it's one that I'm going to keep my eye on as they continue to scale. Perhaps we'll be able to have their co-founders, Corey Capso and Josh Troy, on the podcast soon. Okay, so up next, we have some interesting news from the Maldives, who is inviting bidders to install battery energy storage systems distributed between 22 of their island grids. Now, in case you don't know where the Maldives is located, let me tell you. They are southwest of Sri Lanka and India in the Indian Ocean. Oh, and by the way, an interesting fact about the Maldives is that out of the almost 1,200 islands that they have, only 200 of those are inhibited. The Republic has received financial support from entities like Clean Technology Fund and the World Bank to accelerate their target carbon neutral date of 2030. 
I'll be sure to include a link in the show notes for any interested parties that would like to bid on this opportunity. While we're on the topic of energy storage systems, a recent business article published in the Energy Storage News reported that Agilitas Energy has acquired New England Battery Storage Company. However, the terms of the deal were undisclosed as these are private companies and they're not publicly traded, so they don't have to disclose any of that stuff. But according to Agilitas' website, the company is the largest developer and owner-operator of distributed solar and energy storage systems in the northeastern United States. According to the press release, the president and CEO of the New England Battery Storage Company will become the vice president of asset management at Agilitas once the merger is complete. Both companies are relatively young, with Agilitas being founded in 2015 and the New England Battery Storage Company founded in 2018, so it makes a lot of sense that these companies would come together, increase their capabilities, and scale their business opportunities. Something that caught my eye this week was a post on LinkedIn by Mr. David Ramsden Wood, affectionately known as DRW, who is well known for posting his hot takes of the day and author of the book, What the F is Wrong with Everyone Else, What They Didn't Teach You in Business School, posted on LinkedIn this week saying that the world is headed for an energy crisis. He points out that the push to renewables is filled with challenges that have not yet been addressed, such as supply chain issues. He also hits on funding that has dried up for development of oil and natural gas, leading to a decline in production, which he believes will have an effect that is way worse, that will be way worse than the one we experienced during the polar vortex here in Texas. Now, he clearly states in his post that his intent is not to spark an argument, but to encourage discussion about the entire energy picture stating that all energy is good energy. The post did spark a lot of comments and support from the LinkedIn community, and I'll leave a link in the show notes so that you can check it out as well. DRW puts out a lot of great content, and I encourage you to follow him. So the Department of Energy's Solar Energy Technologies Office recently posted that an American-made solar prize is awarding $5 million in the fifth round of a competition to support U.S. solar manufacturing. I was curious why they would do this, and I did some research, and I found that the United States only makes about 3% of all solar photovoltaic modular production, and in comparison to China, that makes about 71%. So that's a pretty big difference, and I'm sure we want to increase our capabilities without having to depend on other countries. Now, the competition says that competitors can come from a range of backgrounds, from entrepreneurial students to research and national laboratories, As long as they're based in the United States, it's good to go. The Post also said on June 10th that the Department of Energy launched round five of the prize, which consists of two tracks, which is the hardware track and the software track. One item that's interesting about the software track is that it has an optional justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion contest, which comes out to the acronym JEDI. And now this contest runs parallel with every phase of the competition and provides competitors with an opportunity to win up to an additional $190,000. So far, 80 teams have been funded with $11 million in cash prizes awarded and an additional $3.4 million in technical support vouchers awarded. If you're interested in participating in the competition or would like to learn more, I'll leave a link in the show notes. The JEDI Award made me think about how diversity inclusion programs have been developing within the energy industry over the past few years. So I navigated over to the Center for Energy Workforce Development's website and found an article titled Four Things Energy Companies Are Doing to Improve Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. The first was leading corporate conversations on race. 
The intent of corporate leaders is to start a series of dialogues to better understand race in America and find meaningful solutions that promote real change. The second was creating emerging groups and ally labs. This is where companies are focusing on the unique needs of individual segments of the workforce, creating immersive experiences that allow diverse groups of employees to form networks of support. This helps them take a deep dive into diversity, equity, and inclusion, meaning to employees that has led to substantive change amongst individuals, as well as the company culture. The third thing that companies are doing is developing an inclusion index. This helps companies create what's called an emotional metric, which will allow them to analyze the data to see if employees' responses differ from gender, race, or department. Based on what they found, a more inclusive and diverse workforce makes a company much stronger. The fourth and final thing is teaching employees how to recognize their own unconscious bias, which teaches people the basic psychology around bias, both conscious and unconscious, and is a good place for companies to start when raising awareness of diversity, equity, and inclusion issues. Being a person of ethnic background in the energy industry for almost 13 years, I can tell you that the industry cares a lot about its people. And it's great to see that the industry is continuously improving so that people from different backgrounds, affiliations, orientations, all feel welcome. Because at the heart of everything we do in this industry, it all comes down to people. Okay, so now that I'm off my soapbox, I'd like to leave you with three lessons learned while scaling a business from Starbucks founder Howard Schultz. So I'm a bit of a business nerd and I find books in some of the most random places and I was shopping in a little antique shop in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma a few years back. And I happened to come across this book called Grande Expectations, A Year in the Life of Starbucks' Stock, written by Karen Blumenthal. And in that book, I got to learn a little bit about the history of Starbucks and Howard Schultz himself. So when I think about scaling up a business, I really think that this person obviously has a lot of experience. And so I try and pull from other people's experiences to learn. So one of the first lessons that he mentions is that it's not all about profit. Now, this comes from an article written by Reed Hoffman, and it says that, you know, Howard didn't put benefits in front of profits, but he didn't put profits in front first either. He started tackling both problems simultaneously. The second is the smartest people or the smartest investment is in your team. Now, we've probably heard all of the quotes about what happens if we invest in developing our people and then they leave us. And then the other executive says, well, what happens if we don't and they stay, which I think is a really powerful statement. In the article, Howard says it means creating programs for employees that make them happier, more engaged and loyal. But if you want to remain competitive over time, you have to stay attuned to deep fundamental or foundational employee needs as they evolve, especially as they evolve. Do not underestimate the power of human interaction. Now, I'll tell you from personal experience, there was a company that I worked for where the president could remember everybody's name. He could remember your wife's name or your spouse's name, and he could remember the names of your children. Now, I know that sounds you know crazy, but just the fact that he could do that and would engage you made it so much more meaningful every time I saw that person and made me really loyal to the company. Howard's advice is to ask the question, what can we do from a people perspective? This is a question that all businesses could ask themselves more often. That wraps up today's episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed the content, I'd like to ask you to leave us a review and share it with a friend. 
And to get in contact with us if you have any guests or topic suggestions for future episodes. Till then, keep up the fire, and we'll see you on the high ground. Hey everybody, it's Savannah from OGGN, and here are the events on deck for June 2021. This month we have six events, but if you'd like the full list, you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for our events newsletter. We send it out every month, and it includes more info about the events that I talk about here. We even include events that occurred two months ahead of time, so if you're interested in always staying in the loop about oil and gas events, make sure to check that out. This month, OGGN will be hosting two events. One is online and one is in person. For our online event, we're hosting a live stream titled Deal Value Creation, M&A and ONG. This is going to be on June the 2nd. And for our in-person event, we're relaunching our happy hours. It's been far too long since we had a good happy hour, so I'm sure plenty of you will be excited to hear that our next happy hour will be at the Canon in Houston, Texas on June 24th. At this event, you'll be able to meet some of OGGN's hosts and network with other oil and gas industry professionals, all while enjoying great food and drinks. We hope to see you there. Other than OGGN's events, we have two in-person and two online events. First up, we have our two in-person events, which are the Energy Capital Conference on June 2nd at the Omni Houston Hotel and the U.S. Police and Fire Championships from June 10th to the 21st. The Police and Fire Championships will be hosted in multiple locations, so make sure to check out our events newsletter for more information about that. Next, we have our two online events, the first being the Post-Industrial Summit Series. This event actually started on May 4th, but it'll be ending later this month on June 22nd, so there's still plenty to see. And our second online event is the Big Data Industry Summit from June 9th to 10th. If you have any questions about these events or any of our shows, make sure to reach out to me through my email in the show notes. That's all for June. I hope you guys have a great month and thanks for tuning in. Join us again next week for another episode of the Energy Scale-Ups podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.